today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us to talk about some of the Red Wings' European prospects. Today, I have with me Patrick Bexell, who's also known as Zeb over at Have Eyes on the Prize, and he is kind of my European prospects expert. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's my pleasure. I always enjoy listening to your podcast, so uh, it's great to finally be part of it. Awesome. Okay, so we're just going to dive right in. So I wanted to get your input and perspective on Axel Holmstrom and Christopher N. So from somebody's perspective that gets to watch them a lot, can you just give me kind of a brief intro into what kind of a player Axel Holmstrom is? I see, like, Axel has come ac- uh, come up quite rapidly, I would say, from um, a small community in the middle of, of, of nowhere, really, in Sweden, and he went to Koleftio. To, to and I see him more as a finisher, maybe, than um, compared to Setterberg, who is driving play, even if both are center centermen. It's um, it's more that kind of, of player I see him as. Uh, he reminds me a lot about a Toronto prospect actually playing in Frelunda on the wing, um, Andreas Johnson. A very similar place on the power play. Try to go a little bit more on the on the right side, I think, uh, in play in general. But yeah, he's he's more of a sniper than playmaker. But he's very good in both roles. He's taking great step forward the, the last year, definitely with the playoffs he had as well. And I think he's um, this season is very much more aware in the defensive responsibilities compared to last year. The thing that he can really pr- improve on, and uh, it's according to. Paul podcast with Nystrom uh, over at Expressen, a Swedish paper, and Axel agrees with this as well, is that his physique is not really up to scratch. I mean, he's 19 years old, and, and um, he hasn't, he's been playing ice hockey a lot, but he hasn't really worked for a ice hockey body, in a way, and uh, especially what it comes down to is that his stamina is not up to scratch. He said himself that, I used to finish last in, in all the races that we have that were stamina-based in Koleftio. But now I'm finishing bottom 10. So he sees that as an improvement. And, and that's what he kind of likes to to do. It comes across as he really takes this step-by-step approach, which I think will benefit him a lot in the long run. I know that he's playing on the power play. Is he also doing, is he doing any penalty kill? Or where is he kind of fitting in on this team? No, he's not. Right now, he's not doing a lot of penalty kill. But if you compare it with another Frölunda prospect, Arthur Lekonen, that came over to Frölunda last year, and I will mention him more when we talk about Christopher Ann, is that you get to start a little bit with the power play, especially in Holmstrom's case. And then you make sure that he knows his responsibilities before you even get close to going on the penalty kill or box play, as we say in Sweden. And... Um, he, it's also like he's talented forward. So why should we use him in the in the box play on, and, and have him uh, run out the stamina that he doesn't have really in a defensive position? But he has really improved for defensive zone start and stuff like that in Koleftio this year. You know, in the NHL, a lot of times you will see even some of the team's best players out there on the penalty kill. We haven't seen that this this year or last year, but we used to see like Pavel Badzuk and Henrik Zetterberg out on the penalty kill for the Red Wings. Is it a different approach in the Swedish leagues? No, I think it's more the fact that what you have to f- realize is that we have like older players that has played a lot and on a pl- on a, on a box play situation or a penalty kill situation. It's a, a lot of it is reading the play and reading the game and knowing where to be. And I think that is you know a skill you you learn as you go through the ranks. And uh, Axel Holmstrom is if he was to st- were to stay in Sweden next year, I'm sure he will be on the box play in that situation. But right now. 
now, you know, he says himself that he needs to improve his conditioning and then you should probably not use him over in something as, uh, I wouldn't say simple, but, you know, has defensive responsibility, which might not be his best strength. So you mentioned that he's taken some big strides between last year and this year. So right now he's 19. Is it common for younger players, like 18, 19-year-olds, to be playing in the elite leagues instead of the junior leagues? And what does it mean that Holmstrom is, is playing in the elite league? I think it becomes more and more common, especially from when I grew up, like a million years ago. But we lose, obviously, a lot of players to AHL, NHL, and KHL, the the, the other leagues that will draw attention. And even if AHL might not be better than the SHL, it is seen as a stepping stone to the NHL. And uh, so, so we obviously, we'll lose players there as well. And to replace this, two teams in general has really pushed forward and comes to unijurs playing in the SHL. SHL and that is uh, Huleftio that started it like six, seven years ago. And Frelunda went through a really bad patch, spending a lot of money, a little bit like New York Rangers in a way, and getting in bad contracts or players that wasn't as motivated anymore and decided to take a look at Huleftio and see what they did right. And in that case, started to develop a youth, a lot of youth players the same way as they had like 20 years before. It's fantastic to see that the two strongest team in SHL right now are the ones with fewest imports on the team. It's really like you rather take up a junior, see what they can do, and we import that guy that is, you know, actually brings something to the team rather than just an average guy that can be an irregular guy and take a junior spot, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it does. I think when I hear that, I liken it to how more NHL teams are relying on drafting and their AHL teams to develop players rather than bringing them in through free agency or, or whatever the case may be. I mean, that's cool to see, especially from a Red Wings perspective, because the two teams that you just mentioned are two teams that have Red Wings prospects on them. Yeah, indeed. And and I think it's something that, you know, more teams in Sweden see this work. So there are a lot of like young guys getting a few call-ups. Uh, I mentioned a few on my posts on Twitter. Is it Veskalainen in Frölunda who's 16, so he's not even draft eligible this year. It's two years from now there were a couple of players i forgot in the name yesterday that that played very well in in linchapping that is also being draft eligible this year and you see these guys that are amazingly talented and they get the chance to play against big guys and men from an early age and it benefits them probably in the long run it might not be as impressive as netting a thousand points in 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 a junior league but on the other hand it's impressive because they're getting used to a higher pace and a higher uh, skill for from an early age. And that's really encouraging for me to hear, you know, from the Red Wings' perspective, to know that the Wings have traditionally had a lot of prospects that they draft a lot of guys from Sweden who come up through those leagues. And so it's interesting and encouraging to hear that those leagues are doing a better job of developing because that benefits us and the NHL in general in the long run. Yeah, it definitely does. And as I said, I posted this article is it two weeks ago where uh, I pointed out like the feeder system of SHL to NHL and maybe that it should be considered that you want to keep the players in SHL for a longer time because they do, or it seems like some of them are actually developing better in SHL when they get to play longer minutes and a bit against better opposition maybe than third line minutes in in AHL where they will not be able to perform up to their own expectations, their fans' expectations and maybe even the NHL team's expectations. And I know 
you know, with Axel Holmstrom, so he's 19 right now. And we, we've we talked a bit in the past about, you know, he finally now has two goals. He went, I think it was 16 games this season without having a goal. But then when I pull up the SHL stats and I look at scoring for junior players who are playing in the SHL, he's second in points with 12 among junior players. So that kind of kind of puts it into into a little bit different perspective when you look at, you know, a 19 year old kid who's in the SHL with a lot of older, more experienced, you know, quote unquote, better players. Indeed. And you have to also realize that even if um, Holmstrom is he plays uh, third line center, but he is playing it at one of the absolute top teams in Sweden. They're like 10 points clear from the third place team, Kroland Kuleftio. And Kuleftio is the modern powerhouse of Swedish ice hockey. They've been in five finals the last five years and they won two championships. It's not like a general third line average center. You know, a, a third line center in NHL would be get a lot of interest from other teams all over the NHL with a result like that. I think like uh, when you look at Holmstrom, you also have to remind yourself that he's very young and, and um, I think that the way he handled adversity this year in regards to obviously having been scouted a lot during summer and that's probably what drove his uh, goal production down at the start of the season that he handled it with you know humor and he never stepped down from any questions being asked about it uh, he was very straightforward with TV interviews and said I'm doing my best and he really was doing his best I think at one point even you know fans from opposing teams was like can I just go down there and tell him you know he's doing good because he is he was doing very very well and I think obviously a lot of teams had scouted him after that fantastic playoff run he had and that's really what caused a dip in production at the start of the season or dip in goals maybe not production because he still has as you said produced quite a lot yeah that was one thing that definitely struck me when talking to him when he came to traverse city for the red wings development camp is he seems to have a, a level of maturity that you don't always see in guys his age and then as you mentioned you know he chooses to work through the tough times with humor which i mean i think is a fantastic trait but it also makes him just incredibly likable and you want to root for him yeah as i said like uh, these are the kind of players that we all want you know not the media trained ones in some ways we, we want to have a character even if it's on an opposing team because we're all hockey fans in the in, in the big in in, a, in in a big way and we appreciate good hockey players and we appreciate characters that are good characters and show good values that are worth following and held up to people as good guys Tell me a little bit about Christopher N. When you watch him play, what do you see from him? Um, I see him as a, um, he isn't a star as Lekkonen was when he came over last year, but they're following the same path in a way. You get brought up, and especially with former under-20 national coach uh, Roger Renberg, that he wants to drive play and really um, take the game to the other team, but it also puts someone that has to be defensive responsibility, uh, re responsible, sorry, at the point, and in this case, where Lekkonen was last year with uh, Jan-Marc and Friegren and uh, had to take that responsibility, 
it seems like Anne is getting that responsibility this year with Lekkonen and Friedgren instead. And uh, so far, I, I, I thought about it when he sent the question over yesterday that I remember some very, very good defensive play from Anne, but I'm not, I can't really remember a place where he's been out of position or uh, caused something negative to happen. And I think he's really this, uh, how should I say in a way, boring Swedish centerman. You know, like he is so good at his defensive work. So you, in a way, you don't realize that he's out there because he just gets the job done and uh he's 18 right and uh i think i think he just turned 19 okay for for a young guy again to 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 be that have that mindset and really push to to make that kind of impact and dedication to not just go on the rush all the time is for me something that stands out for as a determination and, and, and as a drive to really succeed because Sweden used to be really crap in ice or not really crap but we used to be, be a mid-team in ice hockey national wise and our chance was to play the defensive game and maybe win a a game with a goal or so not to the extreme that the Czech Republic was known for or, you know their counterattacks is fast as lightning but but Sweden used to do this and and we're still making players in the same uh, mold but to see these young guys really take that to heart I think it's encouraging I remember this play with Ian where he just went up to a guy that was coming into the zone and just took the puck off him like it was nothing there he just stole the puck and went on uh, attacking the other day, uh, the other way and uh, he is that kind of player you don't you don't recognize when he's out there but you miss him when he's not that makes sense it does it does and looking at his stats he's played 12 games and he has two assists averaging six minutes and 30 seconds time on ice per game which isn't a lot and i know i think from my understanding of what you told me is he was previously playing more of a fourth line fewer minutes but that's increased a little bit in the last few games is that correct yeah it has and but he is still not on the power play or the penalty kills so he's out of the special teams and uh, that's where the clock really runs amok and where you can, you know, obviously set up more points in general. And is he not playing special teams primarily because of the depth on the team? I would say definitely, uh, definitely the depth. I mean, like the Frölunda team as the Kolefja team is is uh, silly with that. I mean, they're two stacked teams, definitely. It wouldn't surprise me that at the end of the season, if he continues to play, that he will get more responsibilities on the penalty kill rather than, uh, than the power play. Obviously, that would free up more people to take an active part on the power play instead and save their uh, their energy for that and uh, i can see him do this and and that would be the natural succession for him to go for one of the challenges when we're evaluating prospects is, is that the leagues aren't equal there are so many uh, differences that sometimes you know you pull up like a player's production and it's hard to know how that lines up to maybe a young player who's playing in the OHL or the WHL, for example. What do you see as the biggest differences between those two leagues and kind of how can we reconcile uh, comparing say an Axel Holmstrom who's playing in Sweden to one of the prospects who's playing in the Canadian Hockey League? I think Volman is it on Twitter that does the hockey bible or something similar and he has a sort of correlation about like how the leagues rank up you know obviously it's not perfect but at least it's an average of the players that has gone from different leagues and I think that's that's a good approach obviously there will be outliers performing better or worse I think Panarin right now is he's still a point per game which according to his KHL stats shouldn't be uh, with the Volman factors but obviously he's an exceptional talent he's also 
also 24 and played in Europe for a long time on one of the best teams in Europe, I would say, in uh, SKA St. Petersburg. In the CHL, kids score a ridiculous number of goals. And then you pull up stats for the SHL and you don't see that level of scoring. And so if you don't take into consideration in the SHL, they're not playing against kids. They're playing against experienced players and goalies, which reduces the offense sometimes. But there's that extra level of development that's also taking place. Indeed, indeed. And I, I think what you really you really hit the head of the nail with, with your hammer when you talk about goalies, because we all know that goalies take longer to develop and mature. And suddenly these guys in, in any European league, I would say, are not playing a junior goalie. There is a very good junior goalie now up for the draft. He's played the last couple of games in Lulio and uh, he's, an eye, he's a guy to keep an eye on. But anyway, I mean, like you're literally playing, you know, a 30-year-old goalie with a lot of experience. And it's not his first trip to the rodeo. You're not, you're not going to be able to put up the same amount of points. And, and I think the Volman factors is, you know, you might not agree with the, with the adjustment. And the, as I said, there will always be outliers and uh, you, you, your results will always be a little bit, you know, not what you expected. And then you try to second guess it that way. So I think that you have to consider this when you talk about European leagues. And obviously there is an internal ranking of the European leagues as well. Um, it's another article I wrote for, for Habsize on the Price and where I really took, took a long look at it. I tried to use um, the newly developed Champions Hockey League as a reference to rank the different leagues and the surprising fact was that the Norwegian League was you know if you looked at points per games by teams in, in, in the in the competition the Norwegian League came out fourth ahead of Czech League and, and the Austrian League and the German League that we would think are better leagues in a way and um, obviously I know the Norwegians are really driving to, to improve their hockey and they use this as a chance to get some extra media attention which I think is a very smart way of doing it. But obviously, the Norwegian League is not the fourth best league in, in, in Europe, I think. But it gives you a view and it, it, it challenges your thinking. And I think that is the most important thing. You need to, you know, Czech Republic has a great national team, but their league is not that good. Janmark was one of the players that I always, like when he was playing in Sweden, was kind of one of the guys that I kept my eye on. I'm like, this, this kid's pretty good. This kid's pretty good. And then I kept thinking, well, maybe this year he'll come over and, you know, like start out in the AHL. Well, maybe this year, maybe this year. And he never did. And I started to wonder if he was ever going to come over. And then, of course, he did after the Wings traded him to Dallas. Uh, the problem was that there were no con contingency plan for Frölunda when he left. I mean, like when he went over to Dallas, they posted a picture of him practicing in a in a cowboy hat on the last uh, practice of Frölunda, going like, "Hi, John Marcus, going to Dallas," you know, like. <laughs> and everyone was sort of expecting him to come back. <laughs> so did I mean I got the impression that he didn't know, like he was kind of uncertain if he was going to come over, and that would make me believe that you know if his if his team didn't even know. I think that the deal was, and I think this is a deal which, which should really, I mean, like it's mentioned in the SHL article actually a little bit, but we, we hold up John Mark as a, as a very good example in this case, how we wanted to progress from from a European perspective in general, I think, and a Swedish in particular. The deal between Freland and Dallas was actually that if he didn't make the team, he would go back to SHL. He wouldn't go to AHL. He would go back to SHL. And I think that is the consistent contingency plan that, you know, Frelander wasn't really prepared for, or anyone wasn't really prepared for that, you know, he might actually take a spot. And everyone was like, he's not, he's taking the spot next year, you know? <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's kind of what I was expecting. 
And then he, he went there. He got the spot. There was a really funny interview with him where he was like, I drafted Sagan in my fantasy team and I have to go over to tell him to start scoring now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, like that's that's a brilliant quote, and you go like, God, I love this kid. <laughs> yeah, I under I I understand why the Wings made that trade. You know, we were kind of in a spot where we needed to bring Eric Cole in, but I think of all the prospects that we've traded away, Jan Mark was the one where I kind of wish that we would have been in a position to be able to keep him and, and have him play for the Wings because I I always liked watching him. On the other hand, you are, you guys are stuck down the middle anyway, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we are. It's it's an I mean, it's a good problem to have, but at the same time, you know, like I'm watching, you know, Andreas Athanasiu, who's like I love this kid. He's just so exciting to watch, and he can play in the NHL. He played well while he was up at the wings, but he got sent, you know, sent back to the A just because there isn't room. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think in this case, you know, like, and I was actually wondering if I should write about that in a way like why don't you send like these guys over to SHL then you know like like in, in, in Dallas case they must have another young talent playing in the AHL Jan Mark is if he gets sent down he's going to be the first one to get sent up and picked up again right so that guy is suddenly on the third line in, in, in a sense in, in NHL he would probably you know go over to an SHL team and play second or first round minute or first or first line minutes and that would probably benefit him more in the long run probably the contingency would have to be, you know, if you, at least with sending them down and having them in the AHL, if you get in a pinch or somebody gets injured and you need to call players up, it's a lot easier to do. Yeah, I get that. Like, how many covers do you need? You know, <laughs> do you need four for that one position that might happen twice a year? Yeah, I guess that, that all depends on, I mean, probably every GM has a different... different yeah, I think it's also an old school GM thing. Um, we're in the US, we should have all our, or, 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 or we're in North America, we should have all our prospects over here. I get that. And I think it will change over time. You know, by the time you and I are old and gray and we sit there and uh, have a good beer together somewhere nice, hot and warm, you know, it's then we'll say, look, the kids are all over the world right now. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Patrick. Uh, this was definitely a learning experience and some great information. If you guys want to read any of the great stuff that Patrick writes, it's over at Habs Eyes on the Prize. And Patrick, if people want to give you a follow on Twitter and uh, keep up with all of your great information, now where can they find you? I'll be at Habs Eyes on the Prize, normally under the uh, uh, synonym of, of Zeb. And uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Zeb underscore Habs. I tend to write a little bit more of a European perspective. And I mentioned two articles that are more like league-wide articles to read rather than the articles that are focusing purely on, on, on Montreal Canadiens. All right. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.